Hey everybody, hope all is well. Coach here. Thanks for taking a few minutes in your busy day doing whatever you were doing. I'm glad to, glad to have you along. I'm glad to be part of your, uh, your listening enjoyment today. Hey, we're talking about uh, congruency in the landscape. Let's talk about the definition. You know, the, the definition alone kind of says it all. In agreement or harmony, period. Not a big long one, huh? So is your landscape congruent? And what is it congruent with? This is our discussion today. Man, I'm sure glad you're here. Let's get rolling. You know, that word alone, congruency, is an adjective that applies to so many things. You know, you, you heard it in math class, science, astronomy, people and relationships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So how do we bring the topic of landscape congruency into the broad brush strokes of the actual definition, congruency, you know? It's, uh, it's something I learned many, many years ago, and I thought it'd be a good topic to share with you today. There are uh, a few subtopics that I picked and we are going to address in order to accomplish landscape congruency thought ahead of time, ahead of actions. Care to hear them? Okay, here we go. In no particular order, here's the top five that I picked. Number one, your lifestyle. Number two, the environment you were in. Number three, the purpose. Number four, the location. And wrapping it up with number five, enhancements. You know, there are probably more. I could have come up with probably 10, but uh, it starts to get a little redundant because one starts affecting the other and sounding like the other. So I kind of narrowed it down to five. You know, by now you're probably getting a few clues as to where I'm going with this episode. It's something that a lot of DIYers and even some pros tend to uh, kind of get wrong. Let's dive in just a bit into each of these little subtopics. I will use some examples to better clarify it for you as we kind of go along. Hey, number one was uh, your lifestyle. And when I think about your lifestyle, I, I draw upon some experiences that I've had over the years sitting down with, with folks at their kitchen or dining table on initial consultations. And when I say your lifestyle, some of, some of these come to mind. One was a large family, say two parents and five kids. Another one might be a single professional, no kids, but really highly social. Another one might be a, a husband and wife, four dogs, both work 50 hours a week, but no kids. Another one, another lifestyle would be maybe a uh, retired couple with 10 grandkids, but they like to travel too. Another one is a... Uh, Somebody's really into motorcycles and they're not into gardening or landscaping at all. And finally, another one that I thought of was they love gardening. The more, the better. It is quite their hobby. So you can see these uh, total opposites of lifestyles. And how does this kind of fester into the landscape? Because I have seen some that are spot on congruency and I have seen some that are so the antithesis of congruency. You know, all of these add up to very different lifestyles and the demands of which these lifestyles would be placed on the landscape itself. Would you not agree? Could you have a blend of these lifestyles kind of spilling over or melding into one of the others? Yeah, sure you could. But you know, for the sake of discussion, you kind of have to be specific at first and then identify yourself later on as, well, I'm a little bit of this and I'm a little bit of that. And so how do I make my landscape work that way? Your approach to landscape makeover or a new landscape install 
will be quite different in the approach if you identify what you're doing correctly. So what is your lifestyle and how would your landscape reflect it? A curious question that I used to ask all my clients during that all important design consultation. I needed to know and wanted to hear the answer more than anything because many times, many, many times, hundreds of times, I would hear from one party and then I would hear the other party and then I would compare that to what I was seeing at the house, both indoors, outdoors, vehicles, neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. And there was no congruency whatsoever. Not in thought, not in wants, not in needs or anything else. And so, enter me, you know, and I was able to at least straighten out that very, very curvy road and make things a lot straighter so that it was easier to understand and congruency entered into the landscape that had not only chaotic elements present, but also chaotic thoughts from the owners themselves. I'll take a short statement right out of one of my customers' mouths that I talked to many years ago. And here it is. I love color, Coach Matt. Lots of flowers color throughout the year. Oh, but I don't want any maintenance to take me away from my kids and pets every Saturday. We, we're really busy people. You know, now, <laughs> congruency, you know, your, your, your wants are met by saying, I want lots of color. But your needs mean somebody better be out there working and making sure everything is healthy and deadheaded and, and planted and all that other stuff. Maybe you're just going to farm it out. I don't know. But can you see the conflict there? Conflict that is present? Your landscape is literally like a little amoeba. And if you remember from your science classes, those little amoebas that kind of change shape and form as they kind of move around underneath the microscope. Well, your landscape over time will do the same thing. And why? Because you change. Who you are in your 20s and early 30s is not who you are when you reach your 60s or beyond. What you liked back then, yeah, probably is not what you like now necessarily, at least to the same degree. And your wants and needs and your congruency of life comes out in different ways. So keep in mind, and I'm going to talk about futuristic thinking towards the end of this episode. So there you go. Lifestyle. Lifestyle is something that you have to be spot on and you have to predict not only where you're at right now, if you're that single person who likes lots of social and does a lot of entertaining and have a lot of people over, going to be a lot different than the retired couple that has 10 grandkids. See what I'm saying? All right, let's move on. The environment, a big one. The area where you live right now, and I mean down to the house you occupy, will be very different environments and in some cases microclimates. Here's an example. Maybe you live in a large subdivision that covers many, many acres and covers, you know, maybe topography where there's some hills and other things. I can remember when I was first practicing uh, in the hills of the East Bay in Northern California. I mean, there was subdivisions there that went over hills and down into draws and canyons and back up again. Holy cow. So maybe you live in something like that and that that subdivision with all its rolling hills and draws and curves, ups and downs throughout, you end up with these little microclimates. Maybe your house may be one on top of the hill 
with a great view. Boy, nice view. But you, up there on top of the hill, get all the wind. Very little shade. While your neighbors down in the draws and protected areas of the subdivision have little to no wind blasts, and they have a, a much less sun because it doesn't reach their home till later in the morning and it goes away earlier in the afternoon or evening. So just, just the environment alone of where you live can dictate a little bit about what you can and cannot do out there in the landscape. Another example, maybe you have a single story home. Maybe your neighborhood is flat as a board and you have a single story home, but you're surrounded by big two-story homes. And maybe you have a prevailing wind that comes out of the west or the southwest or something, but because you're blocked by these huge, huge Lego blocks around you, you don't get all that wind that they do. And in the summertime, because you don't get the breeze, you don't get the wind, maybe your backyard is kind of a, an inferno, you know, because you have no air circulation at all, no breeze. So something to think about in that respect. Or maybe your area gets a lot of rain and you are on the downhill slope of a large hillside and that hillside drains right to your backyard. So your environment is you get a lot of melt off in the spring or you get a lot of rain and runoff that comes right down into your neighborhood and particularly maybe your yard. And so your environment kind of dictates what your landscape is going to have to do in order to keep you safe, protect your investment, protect your home, etc. You know, your particular environment is in, uh, let's say, now I had this in one of the comments and I really appreciated this guy asking the question, but your particular environment is in USDA zone seven and you want olive trees. You want olive trees so that you can reap the olive oil production. Well, maybe seven or eight months out of the year, you might have an olive tree that might survive. But because you're in zone seven, the other four to five months with temps dimping down into the single digits or below, probably gonna wipe it out. So the environment will dictate what your wants and needs can actually be. So coming upon a landscape design for yourself or a landscape makeover, this is where research and planning really come to bear before launching into a makeover project. Answering some of these questions for yourself, honestly, truthfully, and congruently with your significant other really helps the project flow and go much easier. It's no hair pullout sessions here. All right, moving on to the next one. The purpose, based on the first two subtopics we just talked about, will guide you to discover what purpose will the landscape serve and what purpose it can actually perform under. Easy to say, but oftentimes a little harder to do. Completing this landscape puzzle, if you would, for purpose is really an analysis in realism and honesty with yourself. Now, and like I said earlier, in the future. For instance, if we talk about purpose, you get a new home. Maybe it's your first new home. Maybe it's your first move up home and it happens to be a new one. And you've collected a lot of things at the first house and you're a growing family, so you have stuff. Do you need additional storage now more than just your garage? If you don't know this, let me clue you in on something. The garage was originally invented for a vehicle, not a box convention with all your crap. So do you need to alter your thinking a little bit 
and create some type of additional storage. Therefore, your brand new backyard, one of the main purposes behind it will be maybe to bring in some type of a storage shed where you can store more things. <laughs> I, I'm not a hoarder. I, I don't have lots and lots of things. And everything that I do have is very purpose driven. So if it doesn't have a purpose, I, I really don't need it. And not everybody is like that. I get it. But make sure that you comply with your HOAs if you have those things. Because sometimes storage sheds can't be seen. Can't see anything above the fence line, which I have seen in some HOAs. Maybe you have a new big backyard and your main priority, especially in this day and age, is you need a large play area for the kids or for doggos. And so one of your driving purposes behind the landscape is to have it so that there's plenty of room to run and play and play on things, play with things, etc. So purpose-driven. Are you creating a homestead environment and need a lot more space than you initially think, which many people find out? Everybody starts out small and then they slap themselves in the face two years later going, oh my God, this thing should be twice the size. Or, gosh, I didn't realize these fruit trees get that big and I only planted them 10 feet apart and they should have been 30 feet apart. More space is needed. How about this one? Purpose, purpose driven. Maybe you've developed a home-based business that requires outdoor space, neatly placed and well thought out, but then you also need your family space as well. You got work on one side of the yard and then family on the other side. Something to think about. Designing with purpose will address all six of the topics of congruency that we're talking about. If you think, it really does. I have covered purpose in other videos and in the, the ebook and the course that I have on the website. You know, getting your landscape purpose right will aid in easier changes later in life for the landscape later on down the road, including up to and including resale, if that happens to be in your game plan down the road. You know, in purpose, we address functionality and also to be the purpose of aesthetically pleasing to the eye as it conforms to these other things, your lifestyle, the environment and everything else. You know, keep in mind that purpose behind landscaping, front yards are generally for aesthetic purposes to really set your, your property off and your home off nicely with a nice landscape. And then in the backyard, you can still have it nice, but they generally tend to be more purpose-driven. So aesthetics out front and purpose and function in the back is something you should always approach, it, especially when it comes to congruency. Okay, moving on to the other subtopic, location. This element of congruency addresses multiple, multiple needs. Location of being the front yard or the backyard. Location being the neighborhood you are in. Location meaning various elements within the landscape itself, within the yard. Location meaning a little bit of environment like sun, shade, focal points or backdrops, and what you put in what location so that everything works together. They complement each other. Thinking of these things allows for all the congruency to work together. And when you see it, and you probably have, you've been to a friend's house, been to someone's home where you just kind of take that double take and you go, 
wow, this is really well thought out. That type of thing. That's congruency in the landscape. An example would be something I saw repeatedly in the area that I, I last practiced landscape design and construction. And that was this. And I'm not attacking you landscape architects. I'm really not. But what I saw from some of the architects in one of these Northern California cities, especially in the 80s and 90s, was taking and placing things like Modesto ash and European sycamores and that kind of, and making them street median trees or placing them in front yard landscaping developments where the yards were really small. This selection of trees was what the city had approved. So architects were plunking these things in and within five to 10 years, sidewalks were buckled, streets were getting rumpled, front yards were nothing but giant root zones with little to nothing growing underneath them. And then on top of that, these cities would not allow a citizen to replace them unless you took it down and replaced it with another improved, highly destructive tree that they had on their list. Uh, uh, government, governmental intelligence. I'm telling you, it's people who studied this crap in a classroom, but has never gone out and see it in the field. I don't know, that's okay, that's my rant for day. <laughs> Another thing about location is think about location when you are buying your home and to what degree of improvement will your new landscape give you in the form of return on your investment? You know, my first house in Hayward, California, it was an older neighborhood. It was an older house, obviously. Probably built, uh, I would say, in the late 50s. I, that would be my guess. I'm pretty sure it was the late 50s. Certainly in an older neighborhood where values, um, you, know, you couldn't tell that to a 23, 24 year old first time home buyer, but they did not appreciate as much as some of the other neighborhoods. Now I couldn't afford the other neighborhood being my first house. So when I re-landscaped, I re-landscaped more for function, and I've spoken to this quite a bit, drainage, I had a huge drainage problem. Lifestyle, I had a, I had a new one on the way, which basically means you don't have a lifestyle hardly at all anymore and eye candy appeal for resale later, which I knew at the time was probably gonna be under five years. I really did. You know, if I had thrown tens upon tens of thousands of dollars into this landscape, well, number one, I didn't have it. Or even if I took those dollars and threw it into the home itself, I never would have recovered those investment dollars. Heck, even as it was, you know, between tearing out old ratty carpeting and polishing up hardwood floors and redoing drainage and fixing up the backyard and the front yard. I still, after two and a half years, I still walked away barely in the black. I really did. However, my last house, Weed Patch Ranch, I dumped probably, I don't know, 80 to $90,000 into the landscape development. Number one, because there was no landscape at all. It was just a pasture practically with a driveway at the middle and a couple of houses on it. In that case, the neighborhood over the time we were there bore out the investment and it paid off when we sold. It really did. So it really depends on your location as far as how much dollars you can really throw at it and then expect to recoup that later on. Here's another idea about location of melding landscape areas or locations within the landscape 
to work well together as a rule. And these are things I have actually seen. Number one, a chicken coop right next to the water feature by the patio. The outdoor kitchen and entertaining area next to the dog run or chicken coop. Vegetable garden on the far side of the backyard and no water to it whatsoever, so it's a giant hose dragging session. The location of the water or garden itself might be really poorly located, don't you think? So something to think about as far as location. Okay, moving on to our last one, enhancements. Enhancements are uh, those gooch things that we often uh, get a wild hair about after we've been in some place and maybe you've gone somewhere and you've seen something and you go, oh boy, I'd really like to have that enhancement in my landscape. Enhancements need to be congruent with existing elements without weakening one or the other. Many times enhancements cause what I'd like to say is a landscape domino effect throughout the yard, which opens up kind of a Pandora's box when you really didn't want or need to. You just had this, you have this whim, you want to satisfy it, but when you start to get into it, hopefully you think it out first before you get into it. An example would be uh, you want to install a fancy water feature, you know, like a pondless waterfall or a koi pond or something in the backyard for ambience and viewing pleasure. You, you liked it. You saw it at the park. You'd like to have a scaled down version of it. And so you start going down that road where you need it to go for all congruency causes that domino effect. And what I mean by that is got to get some electrical out there. But the only way you can get electrical is you try to put something underneath the back patio or along the back fence. You need to have some form of water out there so you can do a refill without having to drag the hose across the yard every single time that you have to treat for evaporation. Maybe you need to take out three big trees because it's just not going to work and you're not going to be able to dig in and around where these tree roots are. It's just not going to happen. And maybe after all of this, your irrigation needs to be cut, rerouted, etc. And it's just like, I can just, I can just hear the shoulders slumping out there with a DIYer that goes, all I wanted was something nice to look at and hear, but I have to do all this other stuff. My gosh. So enhancements have to be carefully thought out. And I really suggest that you think about enhancements at the initial phases of your design. Now you can't always cover all the bases, but let's face it, sometimes you're not going to put those enhancements in your current yard. It just won't work. It won't work for the amount of time that you need to put into it to make it happen. It's not going to work for the costs. And having all these other little dominoes are certainly going to jack up the professional costs and put a beating on a DIYer that maybe, you know, didn't really think out of all the changes that were going to be needed. So thinking enhancements out first and predicting all the changes as a result of your new little want may dictate a compromise or a relocation or a scale down of this particular desired enhancement. You know, like we talked about the, the storage shed thing, that's quite an enhancement. Well, if you have an existing yard and you have big lawns and big patios and a big shade tree and all these other things, and now you go, boy, we really need to have a, a man cave or a she shed or a storage building out there. What kind of changes are going to be needed for this enhancement in order to accomplish it? For some folks, I got to tell you, 
finding out what is going to be needed in order to accomplish is a giant stop sign for many people. Everything just kind of grinds to a halt and project progress ceases, maybe forever. They just go, they just shake their head. And that's many times with a storage shed, ah, they go down, you know, the other side of town and put all their extra crap in a storage building and pay another rent fee every month. Maybe that's the easiest solution. It was never that for me, but hey, for some of you. In the end, all elements of the landscape should be congruent and congruent in such a degree that many needs and wants are satisfied, but those needs and wants also work together and they complement one another in the end. This is a good time to really think futuristically about the, the whatabouts and maybe the down the roads type of thinking. I often suggest infrastructure placement way ahead of time for just the in case type of scenarios. And when I say infrastructure, it doesn't cost a lot to put in a blank one inch electrical conduit or a three quarter inch electrical conduit from some place where you know you have power to where maybe down the road you're gonna have a water feature. And next to that, or just above it, depending on what your code is, you could put a three quarter inch PVC line out there so that someday you could hook water up to it from a convenient location and extend it out to where that water feature is gonna be. And now you don't have to be tunneling underneath patios or putting stuff on fences. You know, you're not going to have to reroute irrigation because everything is done ahead of time. And if you don't do it, all right, so you you put in $20 worth of conduit and you capped it and there it's it. And if somebody, when you sell, goes, what's this for? You can tell them, hey, I thought maybe one day I'd put a big pondless waterfall out here. I never did, but I have the water uh, line and the power line here blanked underneath the, the ground. So, you know, if you have an idea down the road, it's already in place for you. You really look like a person who thought it out. Maybe you didn't accomplish it, but you were certainly thinking that way. Guys, I would like to take a minute at this point and thank the viewers and the commenters this week particularly. A lot of engagement and a lot of dialogue, and I really appreciate it. There are some people out there that are always going to be kind of negative, but I oftentimes answer a lot of the negative stuff with questions to them, uh, which makes them think a little bit, I think. So anyway, I appreciate you all. I really, really do. Hey, until next week, as always, to your landscape success, hey, please take a look over at the website if you have a couple extra minutes. Our freebie giveaway that we always have has changed now, and we have a brand new checklist out there for you. You might want to look at it doesn't cost you a thing. The 15-step DIY checklist and associated podcast now has a cost attached to it. We are running a small business here, and I have offered it for free for over three years. So take a look at it. It's gone up to a whopping $2, and I still think it's worth 10 times that. But until next Friday, I'll say goodbye for now. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, if you have a landscape question, you can always email me at any time, youryardcoach at gmail.com. You guys take care, be safe, be productive. I'll catch you next week. Hey friends, Maestro here. Just dropping a reminder to check out the podcast description for discount opportunities and any important links. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on a specific app, please don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps us grow and continue to provide these free podcasts. Again, thanks for listening to this week's show and we'll see you right here next week.